Master, master. Hmm, yes, what, what is it, scribe? I, I, I found something in the ancient texts that I think you're going to want to take a look at. Uh, the, we've been following the ancient texts for thousands of years. I doubt there's anything that's going to surprise me. Well, I, I thought so too, but look at, the, look at this transcription. You mm-hmm. see? Yes, see right yes. here? Yes, uh, year of the dog, of course. We know it well, well. It comes around once every 12 years. I was born in the year of the dog, you know. I, I, I know that, Master. I, I, but ever since I was thinking about how it's unfair that the cat doesn't belong in the Chinese zodiac. Yeah, there's been... lots of reasons for that. We've explained it all before. Ah, but, but if you transcribe this differently, if you use the Lowborn's interpretation of these words, it actually does include the year of the cat. Kind of. Hold on, I'm, I'm a, a tad confused. Let me see this. Year of, of the, the cat, cat dog. dog. Master, do you realize what this could mean? This does appear to be authentic. What are the implications? We're going to have to change a lot of things. Let's see. Hmm. Year of the dog. The dog is known as honest and loyal and intuitive and of sometimes short-tempered. So I, th- I think we can work with this. Yes. Um, so the year of the cat dog, you, we, we would... We would have to incorporate that loyalty with... Sometimes not being loyal. A cat's fickled nature, yeah, okay. And in addition to honesty, a capacity for um, dishonesty. Uh, That doesn't seem at odds with itself. Uh, There are clearly... Clearly the ancients understood more than we do about the nature of duality. Um, (sighs) Let's see. um, Very giving to others... But maybe not. Well, something has to be the one taking, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, of course. Natural practical abilities. Um, or perhaps just being lazy. Both I, good. I suppose. I, I honestly think that this is going to take the world by storm. I don't, I don't know if we should, we should circulate this information. The idea of one of the symbols of our great zodiac just meaning eh, whatever. No matter how much this makes us uncomfortable, or no matter how much more difficult this will make our jobs, this is the truth, and it deserves a platform. We must spread this knowledge. <sighs> well, I suppose you're right. Even if this... Oh, wait. Cat, dog, and also a blue mouse? You know what? Let's just burn this. One fine day with a wolf and a purr, a baby was born and it caused a little stir. No blue buzzard, no three-eyed frog, just a feline canine little cat dog. Cat dog, cat dog, alone in the world was a little cat dog. Out on the road or back in town, all kind of critters putting cat dog down. Gotta rise above it, gotta try to get along, gotta walk together, gotta sing this song. Cat dog, cat dog, alone in the world was a little cat dog. Cat dog. Yeah, more trouble than it's worth. I like that a bit better because it's like you just went through this long explanation why it's our scholarly duty to bring yeah. to the world, and then I bring this more bullshit. And you're just like, you know what? Screw it. <laughs> Screw it. Yeah, let's just I, burn this. You know, there is a mouse already in the zodiac, so that would you know clearly this is a fake. Oh, well, I believe that's a rat, and I don't I don't know how what color it is. <laughs> that and it's not specified. I assume specified. like technicolor. I can't trust that. Yeah. No, they didn't have. Uh, they only had black and white back then, <laughs> as we can see in the documentaries. And in documentaries, yep. All right, uh, Zane, how you doing, Ben? I kind of don't want to talk about cat dog. That's a goddamn shame. <laughs> <laughs>
What did you want to say? Endgame spoilers? Uh, yeah, if we could just <laughs> go right into Endgame. No, just like, it's good. It's better than I thought it would be. It's oh, fine. Zane, come on. You got to give me my lot. decorum. Oh. Uh, everyone, welcome to the Cartoncast. My name is Ben. My name is Zane. Oh, I'm sorry. No, we, we misspoke. Zane, you want to... Let's take that one again. Oh, let's take our the name, easy joke. Sure. Our name is Ben Zane. And Zane Ben. Uh, and this is the podcast where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. And today it's fucking cat dog. Yes, we are the Carton Crafters. We affix two things together, even when they don't belong. <laughs> Especially if they don't belong. Especially if it's the word Carton Crafter. Yeah, it's the high school shop uh, version of Angry Beavers. Carton Cast is already a clumsy portmanteau. I'm, I, I, I think that's giving it a bit too much credit. But... <laughs> All right, instead of clumsy, maybe like, what's like a super clumsy word? Um, I got this church bell clumsy feels kind of clumsy doesn't it it's got that nice self-referential quality k lumsy oh yeah my, one of my more favorite uh donkey kong villains no oh, he was a good guy was he the big guy oh he was he was the size of a whole island he was just happy to be there just happy to be there coach and and i think affixed to his butt which is a much smaller <laughs> kremlin <laughs> yeah he's just hiding out yeah just hey <laughs> he's, i don't come up much Got on the wrong end of a Fantastic Voyage plot. Got on the wrong end of a very large Kremlin, it seems like. <laughs> That's right. So, Cat Dog ran nope, from... Zane, <laughs> tell me about your vacation. Oh, we're doing... I figured we would do this when there was a dull moment in the... Absolutely uh... <laughs> not. Let's just... Let's, let's front load this. We'll, we'll get yeah. to Cat Dog when we get to it. Yeah, I, I went to Hawaii for uh, a couple of weeks for a... It, it, it was a wedding. I understand you were hunting down Weird Al. Yeah, oh, I... I, I, I on a, on a Killed him and safari. took his pelt. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I did come back loot? with a new Hawaiian shirt, certainly. Um, yeah, it's it was great. We went for a wedding that was not a destination wedding because one of them was Hawaiian. Okay. Um, so it worked. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just palling around with friends for a while, meeting, you know, seeing some people that I hadn't seen in a while. Um trying to think of fun specific things that happened that i can also put on the uh on the podcast <laughs> I, how um, did you i told you this was gonna happen you should have been ready i really should have you were just too busy watching cat dog and loving it so tired so <laughs> I, I have a good anecdote for uh when you were on your tropical hawaiian adventure which is that mm-hmm. i saw you constantly playing endless legend yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> Part of that was the plane ride, and then once you start a game, you kind of can't stop. And part part of it's not the plane ride, right? But I think you'll find part of it is. Yeah. Um. You know, I it, it's two six hour plane rides back to back. So, sure. and I don't sleep well on planes, so it was pretty much endless legend or just like driving myself insane. Or watching the in flight movies. Oh God, I don't want to. They have bejeweled now. Oh, forget it. You're You're never going to make it to Hawaii. (laughs) Christy had never seen it before, and I was like... Oh, no. Don't get her hooked on opium. I was bedazzling her with, like, how many, like, star gems I had or whatever they're called. Wasn't bedazzle, like, a knockoff version of bejeweled? No, I think think bejeweled was a knockoff version of that um, bedazzling glitter thing. No, that's not correct. Uh, and that's my trip to Hawaii. Played a lot of bejeweled. <laughs> yeah. So you, well, okay. If you come up with more anecdotes during Cat Dog, please tell no, them so I don't have was, to talk about Cat good. Dog. Um, you know, I tried the local delicacies, which is uh, spam, which is not great. Is it really? It's like 
Is it the delicacy or is it not great? Is it is it the, the delicacy? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's everywhere. They sell it at gas stations. And also, while I was on the island, they had um, the annual Spam Jam, no. which is a celebration of Spam. Uh, so am I led to believe that it isn't, you aren't exclusively drinking Mai Tais out of coconut shells? I, I didn't like coconuts, turns out. Oh, no. I like the, the completely processed coconuts. How did uh how did the trip do on your allergies and sinuses? Mostly fine. Okay. <laughs> in the way this that a, even a home, I'm mostly spot fine. In your tropical vacation, um, as, uh, other drinks include um, you know, some nice hooch. Um, there's this thing called pod. Oh, they sold nice hooch. <laughs> yeah, I got some nice hooch. It's is a wedding. Any, <laughs> is there any chance you could tell me what that means? <laughs> you know, it's it's booze, but you know, I'm on vacation, so it's hooch. Oh, at a wedding, your hooch is uh, marked on the side of the jugs for the hooch. It's XOXO instead of just X's. Oh, I like that. That's actually <laughs> sweet. Uh, and they have this thing called Pog, which is passion fruit, orange, and guava juice. Sounds good. It tastes like for any fruit juice, but it mixes yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Um, Pulp's smooth. But yeah, I, I hung out with the uh, you know the high school gang. Um, Jake actually... Um, because of his travel plans, he didn't get to have a Passover Seder, so we had an impromptu one. Oh, Jake is still into that uh, that stuff? <laughs> what, his religion? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. He did, he struck me as the kind of guy who would have veered away from it. We'll cut this out. <laughs> I mean, no no disrespect or anything. It just kind of surprised me. Uh, but no, we had... How, an how's Ian, that tall boy doing? And Ian had never... Um, you know, had never been to a Seder, so his first exposure to it was us kind of remembering how it's supposed to go. Well, Ian has never been outside of a forest, as I understand <laughs> it. Oh, we hiked all around. Uh, we went to a Japanese temple. Um, every... Ian, by the Ian, by the way, uh, is a uh, guest on Empowered. Is an Empowered mainstay. I did not get to record any Empowereds on the trip. <laughs> hey, man, you know it's a like there were other priorities. You went to a Japanese temple in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. What is we that? We tried to go to a few beaches. We couldn't find beaches. Is the, that like, like a is day. that like a reverse naval base thing that uh, the U.S. does? Japan is just like, well, fuck this. <laughs> you, you, you're gonna set up shop here. We're gonna throw some Japanese temples your way. <laughs> we we visited Pearl Harbor, and uh, one of our friends was uh you know in the navy, and so he was telling us stuff, and was like, yeah, when you know sometimes other countries use the naval base like. To hang out and it's when the japanese naval base comes in, or navy comes in we're like all right this feels weird <laughs> like <laughs> everyone's on their best behavior we're not gonna... oh my god it's not I, antagonize each other no no need to rub salt in that i i imagine they get a weird feeling going through the, like the museum and gift shop but probably uh i went on a submarine it was claustrophobic oh i didn't realize you actually did go on a submarine <clears throat> mm-hmm. how deep did you go how low could you go? Ocean uh, lives. Into the boat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, like so, it so you literally went onto a submarine and then it just stayed there. Yeah, no, it's not. They're not going to move the submarine for me. <laughs> Why not? I don't know, man. You seem like you might control Hawaii somehow. I'm not a very important VIP. Okay. Vivip. Vivip. Vinny, Vinny, Vivip. That was a Roadrunner's uh, catchphrase. Beep, beep. I like I like that too. <laughs> I'm, I'm really I'm really killing it today. Um, yeah, the beaches were incredible. So you know how in New England, uh, you you get to the beach. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> and you start to dig a hole in the sand, 
And after about a foot, you hit rocks. Hmm. You don't do that in Hawaii. It's sand all the way down. Oh, man, that sounds great. It's so I dug my deepest hole, and then I sat in it. Man, a silicomancer um, would have a day. And then, you know, the beaches were fantastic. They were nice and warm. Um, they weren't basic cold. beaches? Yeah, they were. They were No, they, these were deluxe beaches. Okay, gotcha. The basic beaches were the things labeled as parks in the GPS, but turned out to be a parking lot. Um overlooking uh, like a pond that's kind of one of those classic translation issues like we <laughs> like we discussed at the top of the episode right next to the whole cat dog thing <laughs> it was like also hawaiian parks are parking lots there was a parking lot um at one of these where there was just a bunch of cats and a bunch of chickens and they were just they kind of looked like gangs because they were each occupying separate parts of the parking lot that's amazing <laughs> just kind of staring at each other also the chickens are protected there protected from what like typhoons like, like they have protected status like if you're trying to park and there's a chicken in that parking space you can't park there that's the chicken's parking space <laughs> that's right it needs it, it, it's holding that for when its uh, aunt comes visiting it's waddle mobile it uh yeah so like uh like cows in india yeah kind of but smaller and they still confusing because everybody still eats chicken yeah that's a bizarre like that's, I mean, like, I would love to see the terms on that treaty. <laughs> Those aren't fancy chickens. Like, okay, you can eat us, but. Yeah, there's some real No class parking in our parking on. lots. <laughs> We've got standards. Um, the fish was amazing, of course. A um, bunch of local stuff. I don't know that to be, of course. You guys were eating spam. I've got no frame of reference for what Hawaii is actually like. I mostly ate the fish. <laughs> they were okay. like, you can have spam or fish. And I'm like, well, I know what fish is. <laughs> Um, everything's super expensive because it all has to be imported. Right. What does super uh, expensive look like? I, like, I don't have a frame of reference for that either. Eight bucks for a thing of maple syrup? I, like, a, that, like a small maple thing? Maple syrup is not on my, like, constant grocery list, okay? All right, uh, f- five bucks for milk. What do you want we have me? to We have to import maple syrup from Canada anyway. Like, what are, <laughs> what are you Maybe you about? do plebe. <laughs> well, what was your other example? Like, five bucks for milk. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that, that's a bit more colloquial, an, an example. Although those are like CVS prices. I'll take it. Uh, like CVS Plus. Okay. Um, and then the wedding itself was beautiful. Um, they were married in the valley where they shot parts of Jurassic Park. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> or like near there. Like what you was can the name find of the, the aisle f- from Jurassic Park. Jurassic Island. No, no, come on. <laughs> Hammond Place. Isla, Isla de Luna. I can't remember. Isla de lo Dinosaur. No, no, no. I'm going to I'm gonna look this up. This is important to me. I mean, like, you know, grading on a curve. It's more important to me than cat dog. <laughs> Isla Nublar. That's what it was. Yeah, I did not remember that. Welcome to Nublar. Home of the old Blar. <laughs> we're, we're working on a new name, but, you know, that's a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of red tape. Mm-hmm. A lot of old Blar timers. Well, it seems like you did have a lot to say about, you know, the uh, the, 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 the trip. Oh, it was a fantastic trip. I'm trying to remember any other little juicy morsels, but really it was just a good time all around with a surprising amount of driving. It's weird because it's a small island and everything, like, land is so expensive there, but there's also just, like, like it's poorly planned because you have to drive everywhere. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, like Texas, I understand. Texas has the space. Hawaii, right. they just kind of did it on purpose. 
Yeah, it's, I, I'm not really sure what to make of that. I, I could come up with a reason, but it wouldn't be genuine, so just move on. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you had a good time. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that it, I, it it held up to my expectations that you are as inept at foreign places as I assumed you were. Also, like, I don't know if it was the weather or the birds or the time difference, but, like, I kept on waking up at 6 um, regardless of when I went to bed, so that's probably part of the Endless Legend exp- explanation. <laughs> you th- Wait a second, you you think it was because of the birds? The birds were loud. Oh, they had loud bird? Yeah, I would, like, I would wake up, and then to get back to sleep, I would have to do, like, the whole, like, eye shield and the whole, like, ears earbuds in with, like, relaxing music on YouTube. Sensory deprivation from Hawaii. Yeah, there's just a lot of sensory. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm glad it was good overall. Yeah, it was great. I I recommend going once. Let's give you some like experience whiplash by talking about Cat Dog now. Cat Dog ran from 1998 to 2005 on Nickelodeon. It was created by Peter Hannon and animated by two Korean studios, Seiram Animation and Rough Draft Studios. Right, uh, and it lasted three seasons initially. Although I, I went online, and it looks like they had a fourth season. Yeah, they kind of did this finale type thing where they meet their parents, and then they just kind of kept going. Yeah, the, and the, I think that I, spoilers. They, uh, they, they. I think they met their adoptive parents. Were like a bullfrog and a, a sasquatch or something. Yeah, purple sasquatch. A purple sasquatch. Yeah, it, it, wasn't, like a big no, old jelly it wasn't a blue buzzard or a three-eyed frog or anything like that. <laughs> but you know, like I think that that's a good family kind of it kind of rounds out the whole family theme so i, I was pretty into it mm-hmm. the, basic, into the idea i didn't actually watch it thankfully no uh, it's three-parter absolutely not can't do it the basic uh, conceit of cat dog is um you remember the odd couple what if a cat was a dog it's like pretty much just that it's kind of gross and terrifying in a lot of ways Um, that they sometimes lean into and sometimes they just like, yeah, it's a, it's a children's cartoon. So Hannon claims to have gotten the idea for them being conjoined from a number of news stories about conjoined twins living comfortably together, which I think is, I don't know. That's kind of funny. Like it it just was what happened. He happened to be watching at the time stories about conjoined twins. And he's like, huh, what if our cat and dog brothers decided (laughs) to, what if, what if we also had that here? And I think it's the only gimmick that makes the show watchable, to be honest. The fact that they're attached? Yes. Not the fact that they're a cat and a dog? Not really. I don't like. I don't think that really is that important. Yeah, because, I mean, we've seen the odd couple type before, especially, uh, like, Ren and Stimpy was a precursor to this. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, the, the attachment, they really built a world around that idea, but also, like, I think it limits them. It does limit them, and it you know it, it got middling reviews across the board, which may in fact I don't it's, know I think it's it may very middling. It's it's pretty middling, but I I think it might actually be a little bit better than just middle of the road. Yeah, I mean there was clearly a lot of thought put into it. You can see a lot of nice little touches here and there, particularly with the animation. I think it looks really effective. Yes. Yeah, it um, looks it looks very it looks pretty polished. It sounds less polished, but it, I mean like. It is quite competent, if very formulaic, once it hits the pavement, and it's torturously similar to contemporary shows like Angry Beavers and Rocco's Modern Life, but with way less imagination. Yeah, I mean, it's surreal, but it doesn't go off the deep end quite as much as you'd expect. It Not replaces... as much as you would want for Rocco's Modern Life, and, and, it's, and it's, it's really inconsistent in, like, setting. 
Like, yeah, I didn't know like, where I was. It's pretty all over the place. I think it lost some of that uh, surreal creativity and replaced it with this sort of sad undercurrent that never quite leaves. Um, the, uh, the show they, goes on record for being notable for its cruel humor and bleak setting, with many stories involving bad things happening to characters who don't deserve it. Like when Kat sells Winslow as an action figure and avoids comeuppance right through to the end of the episode. Yeah, if you're... It's it's weird because most episodes are some sort of revenge story, and you rarely get to see revenge occur. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah, just sort it's, of edging. But it's, yeah, constantly, like, Cat Dog is just constantly edging with nowhere to put it. It's like, because it's not quite sure what it's doing. Sometimes it wants you to feel sad, sometimes funny, sometimes, like, like sometimes you're supposed to root for them, and it's just, it's really all over the place. I didn't know if I was supposed to like Cat Dog. You're supposed to sympathize with them. Like, you can see these people experiencing the hardships of, like, both who they are, like, their condition, but also, like, their lifestyles. Like, the fact that Kat is such a stick-in-the-mud, um, you know, cares a lot about other people's opinion, that comes to hurt him just as often as, like, his condition or the ridicule of him. Yeah, they're they're in some ways their own worst enemy, um, but also in some ways kind of they're the only reason that I can inv- individually exist is because of this of this tor- torturous existence as mm-hmm. as this as this weird cat dog thing. Um, there, there's a few different points in there that I, I want to you know remark on before we go- launch into it uh, proper, mm-hmm. which is that there there's there is, as you said very well that there is that kind of internal conflict of being a cat dog and then the external conflict of being a cat dog in a not cat dog world. <laughs> right, trying to make your own way. Yeah, but like they're they're constantly called freak. The social ostriches ostracism beat doesn't really get a lot of focus. Yeah, but, well, that's uh, the thing. I, like at different times, it's like oh, it's like it's like angry beavers. They're all getting along like in society, and then sometimes it's like the oblongs where there's very clear class dynamics, and then sometimes it's like hey Arnold, where like everything's just kind of sad all the time. Or or Rocco's Modern Life, where it's like a it's like a scathing criticism of modern living. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, it is, because it's so all over the place, I feel like this show didn't really have its own voice. Yes, it's it's every show. It's the, the I, th- I thought that the most direct parallel was probably Angry Beavers, because mm-hmm. it is about two brothers learning two brothers. to coexist. And um, the, the gimmick but, of them yeah. being attached doesn't add a lot, because... Dag and Norb already were kind of attached. More or less attached, yeah. And I mean, the parts where they went but... off on their own, like, those are additive in their own way. Plus, they, it's not as though they don't do that here. Like, Dog will <laughs> put a costume on and, like, pretend that he's in a Pokeball-esque, you know, yeah, TARDIS he... <laughs> space until he's called upon. I'm going to cosplay as a butt. Yeah, that's. I think that's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> like the idea of him cosplaying as a butt. <laughs> but that's not how it was sold. It's just like, I'm going to hang out in this sack while you live your best life as a real cat. Yeah. Cat. Mm-hmm. I kept coming back to this show as, it's it's good. It's, it's fine. It's a it's quality like, show. It's like one of Shakespeare's lesser known plays that just kind of doesn't fit into the classic comedy tragedy demarcations like there's nothing about it that you would want to sell but it it does have a lot of the elements that you know great studios and animators are you know known for like this this has 
a bunch of materials and and care in it that you would uh, associate with the more popular and, and more successful shows. Um, we actually did get a comment from from our friend uh, Joshua, whom previously we know from uh, running the Misty cast and also has come on to our show before for the Sonic Adventure. Of course. Uh, or Sonic uh, Satam, I believe. Satam. Um, and his uh, his comment is, supposedly CatDog was supposed to be SpongeBob for the network, but SpongeBob ended up taking the cake. Yeah, it turns out you can't out SpongeBob SpongeBob even before he's on the scene. And and I want to, like, the, the reason that I'm kind of front-loading that comment uh, as opposed to back-loading it is, uh, well, by, which, by the way, thank you very much, Josh, for writing in. Thank um, you for that- back-loading us. Thanks for front-loading us. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I think that the SpongeBob, the, the SpongeBob, uh, the, the relative merit to SpongeBob is maybe something we should keep in our minds because it's got Tom Kenny. It's the same Tom Kenny, mm-hmm. uh, you know, dog instead of SpongeBob, and, you know, he's one of the main characters. So what exactly was that doing that Diz didn't? And I think it's just cohesion. Like, it knew what its voice was. It was very consistent output, and this is pretty inconsistent. Like, I don't really know what Cat Dog's going for at any given moment. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I've got a, I've got a few ideas in tone and tone and genres, uh, but like, I, I never came to a conclusion about what is the show actually about. Yeah, and SpongeBob is much more willing to go off the rails and be a bit more experimental and like kind of self defeating in a way. Um, in a way of like it can atomize itself and rebuild itself and it still looks fine and makes sense. You've whereas always got here, a SpongeBob. Whereas here, this one has its its toes in so many pies that like it never really can. Because they only have toes. They're dogs. And okay. cats. Yes. Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I would like to say a, a thing about the pacing real quick, which is that mm. this show moves fast. Yeah. Like, they don't linger on a scene at all. They make the joke and they get out. And I think that might be part of why I found it difficult to sink into the show's setting is because it is such a fast-paced kind of experience. For example, the beginning of a scene, the greasers, we'll talk about the greasers, walk through through a security booth and it goes off for the big greaser. I think his name's Cliff. Uh Uh-huh. The big one, uh, Cliff, sheepishly removes a big wooden club from his jacket pocket end scene like five (laughs) seconds i don't know why we had to do that it's just like a little bit of building and it's you know funny after a fashion but it doesn't really add to the the atmosphere like is there more you could have done there to make me feel like i wasn't in a just a disjointed com like cartoon or or, i mean a comic strip kind of punchline and it's and you know we've done fast paced before and we've done visual gags before this is kind of weirder so like it's an 11 minute episode kind of structure mm-hmm. and you're right it is fast paced in the way that it iterates but it's also very repetitive so like um there's one episode where cliff is discovered to be a ballerina mm. or ballerino i don't know so uh cat discovers this and he's using it as blackmail like oh if you beat us up you know i'll I tell can you reveal your... tell him about this yeah i remember yeah, yeah. But um, the way that it's revealed, like, we, we we see Cliff come to beat him up, and he just can't stop envisioning him in a tutu and breaks out laughing. He mm. laughs, the greasers are confused, Catdog gets away, and Cat's like, oh, I can keep doing this. And then he keeps doing it. Yeah. Like, each instance is very quick, like, a minute or less, but it just keeps happening. And, like, if you 
if you want to do a fast-paced show, cram a lot in there. Otherwise, you don't need that. It's always pretty clear by minute two what the conceit of the episode is. And more or less how it's going to get resolved. It's kooky prank day. Uh, Everyone's going to get kooky pranks done on Cat, and he's going to get successively madder until he snaps and maybe gets revenge? Yeah, revenge is definitely a, an underlining force in this world. That's By the so way, weird that this show runs on revenge and runs sad. Runs on revenge and sad, <laughs> which I, I don't dislike inherently. I think that's pretty funny that they were able to do that. I mean, that's but, what the Venture Brothers is, and they do they do it very well. By the way, uh, you mentioned the plots being repetitive. The whole uh, Cliff is in a tutu kind of shtick. Um, there's a different episode where Cliff is ostracized from his greaser brethren when he accidentally gets glued to a squirrel and becomes Cliff Squirrel. <laughs> but he doesn't know that he is. He just assumes that now he's a freak and just like, now he's got to live <laughs> no, like this. It's just on his jacket. It's just on his jacket, yeah. If, so if like, I recall, simul- he goes to Cat Dog for like therapy. Yeah, for like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I kind of, uh, I remember that episode. I kind of like that. Yeah, and there's also a different episode where Shriek, the uh, the poodle of the greaser group, turns out to be a ballerina, or not a ballerina, but like a figure skater. Mm. So like, those are all three pretty similar plots, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, there's nothing here that we haven't from seen one before. Yeah. So yeah. so when you say it's repetitive, that that's one example, and it's punchy enough to be able to get through those plots with every without you ever really getting bored. Mm-hmm. But I found myself just getting kind of like. Tired of not knowing why I was watching. Absolutely. I didn't, ha- like, didn't have a, really have a point. I knew I had to keep watching because I didn't know what to say. But as I kept watching, I didn't come up with new things to say. <laughs> right, right. Um, and I think the reason why it was successful, both because it's, you know, it's it's well put together. It is. Um, it's got good talent on it. Um, and it was in Nickelodeon's, like, heyday. Um, yeah, in those late 90s where, you know, the contemporary shows of, you know... Um, of uh of angry beavers and Rocco's modern life were 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 kind of there and uh, I don't remember the exact chronology of shows. Angry but... Beavers was ninety seven. Okay, I so think that if Cat Dog comes close. out after SpongeBob, it fails immediately. <laughs> um, and uh, and Rocco's modern life was let it me, was way let, early. Me look, let me look it. It up was earlier. Oh yeah, it was it was it ended in ninety six. Yeah, that's what I thought. So so there is definitely a timeline there. Let let me look up SpongeBob. SpongeBob's like 1999, I think. I think you're right, but I want to I want to confirm this. Yep, uh, preview for the series on 19. Yep, premiered on 19 in 1999. So ni- SpongeBob definitely did come after it. And Oblongs was early 2000s. Like it's yeah. drawing on things both past and present. And the only reason I think this has a leg to stand on is because we hadn't seen some of it yet. Looking back at it, there's nothing here that we can't get better elsewhere. No, and but and you know it's it's difficult because you know we kind of have that we we we've, we've got sort of a cat dog physiology about this episode. Like we want to kind of remark on the fact that it's good because it's made out of quality pieces, but and that it's bad because those quality pieces don't really do anything. Yeah, they don't, yeah. They don't seem to have a function. And I, I think lest we become a caricature of that weird cat dog thing, that we should just uh, we should get a little bit further along. Yeah. So, Before we get to characters, I would like to point out that the concept of a cat dog is pretty whimsical. It's whimsical. It, like everything else in the show, it's both whimsical and horrifying. You have that <laughs> duality. <laughs> I talked about the, the notion of doing cat dog with both Ulysses and our mom. 
And both of them asked me the same question, which is, how did that happen? <laughs> like, like <laughs> in universe, did how did a cat dog happen? To which I think I've responded both times. Uh, they had a mom cat. They came from two cat dogs. <laughs> a mom cat dog. And a, like, how were you born? It's pretty clear. <laughs> I believe the um, the creator is on record as saying, eh, don't worry about it. Yeah. Like, like who cares? <laughs> they had that one episode where they're doing a documentary trying to answer all these questions. Uh, really? And yeah, I don't I didn't I didn't watch it this time around, but I remember it how they were like trying to keep the camera on them so that the documentarians didn't lose interest. And they're like, you know, if if you get my good side, I'll let you know how we go to the bathroom. It's like, that's oh my a God, I forgot about that. <laughs> like, that's a weird conceit. Yeah, every time they lean into the, like, how how exactly but does again, this creature work? Again, the documentary, um, like, concept was also done on Angry Beavers. Yeah, yeah, but, like, I'm, you know, equally well, I guess. Sure. I just, the, the idea that the Angry Beavers is so clearly about the brother tension relationship, and this is kind of like, ah, uh, I don't know, what is it about? Mm-hmm. It, it, it allowed Angry Beavers to touch my heart a little bit more directly. Mm-hmm. But uh, the documentary thing is pretty good. Anytime they reference the fact that cat dog's a fucking weird looking thing, <laughs> and like, how does it, how does it even work? It stretches is, uh, like a rubber band, they can form I, a wheel. I really like the way cat dog looks. <laughs> Like, it's weird yeah. to say, I think it looks great, and I think the concept of it is very funny. There's this one episode, I've got weird memories in my, like, in my, in my brain from a long time ago when I watched Cat Dog, and they're so disjointed and nonsense. One episode, it's revealed, they go to a dentist, the dentist has an x-ray put up on them, and it's revealed that there's, like, this tube connecting dogs to cats' teeth, mm-hmm. so whatever one of them does to their teeth, it affects the other one's teeth, which... There's no way. It makes and, no sense. And the here's the thing. A good chunk of episodes focus on their unique physiology. Every rule that is established is established only for that episode. Only once. And it's like <laughs> broken within the episode. It's very funny to me. And I believe uh, to clean his own teeth, Cat travels inside his own mouth and forms himself inside out, out of dog's mouth to brush so dog's brush teeth dog's so that teeth his so teeth... Can... Yes. Like... This is so like, body about horror and Cronenbergian. Like, <laughs> it's so weird because, like, that that's not a kids' show thing. Uh, there's like this one uh, that I was looking for, like funny moments on TV tropes, and the 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 page for it has like this three frame kind of a comic strip to it which is winslow opens the door the little blue mouse he opens the door and says hey a cat dog how and then it clips to cat dog with cat inside of dog's mouth and they're like kind of like this figure eight ouroboros thing <laughs> and, and, and the third panel is just winslow just like fucking walks out yeah that's, he's that's like a, ah, i'm gonna i'll see you later <laughs> let's become a meme format um you know in the same way that grandpa simpson in and out kind of kind of loop-de-loop Wait, what is the Grandpa Simpson loop-de-loop? You know, when he walks into the burlesque house and he sees Bart uh, oh, manning yeah. the door and he's like, whoop. <laughs> he like puts his hat up, he goes through the turnstile, takes the hat and walks out again. Uh, that is really good. Um, and it's a fun show note. I've been trying to think of what can fi- what could fix this show and make it a really good show. Um, And one of my thoughts is to just you know, focus. Um, but also like we, we saw the constant genre meddling and like change of focus happen, um, in Megas XLR. And that worked cause there was like an uh, over 
overarching goal, you know, um, to, to work around. Whereas mm-hmm. um, they're here, here it's still always the slice of life thing, but they're changing the tone of it so much. I think Which if they had something to do, like some sort of plot, like if this was the adventures of Cat Dog, that might go better. Originally, the, the creator originally envisaged this as a superhero show, Cat Dog Man. Big, beefy human body with two heads, one a cat and one a dog. <laughs> well, I, I mean, like, I like the idea that it would be a slice of life in a particular setting. But, like, where is that setting? I, like, I hate to harp on it so much before we even get to characters, but I have no idea where this is. There's no sense of structure to this world. Are we in a city? I don't know. Like, sometimes. Are we in suburbs? Seems like his house is in the suburbs, but I'm not really sure. I don't even know what time period is, because most of the time it's modern, but we have greasers rocking around. There's references to, like, I, I saw an episode where they were, like, uh, references to, like, a 1930s, like, chain gang. It's mm-hmm. it's just, I like, Powerpuff Girls had a city suburb thing going up for it that was very consistent. Um, Rocco's Modern Life, again, that modern thing with the absurdity of the modern world kind of juxtaposed to it. Angry Beavers was a very consistent modern life wilderness mashup. This is all over the place. I, th- I think it cleaves closest to Rocco's Modern Life. Um, like, sometimes. I, I don't y- think it's, I don't yeah, think it's sometimes. that. I don't think it's that <laughs> consistent. It's not. Yeah, and that that's really where I think the show's major fault is that it's just the, like just the focus bit. I I just don't know where it is or what it's trying to do. It's yeah, just maybe wasting it's just wasting my goddamn time. <laughs> maybe give them something to do, like have a goal. Or pl- I don't know, I would have enjoyed them playing into the social ostracism angle a little bit more. Yeah, make give them make them more sympathetic so that we can root for them. And then, like, let them have a victory from time to time. So, like, one of the first episodes, um, they're trying to get into the taco uh, depot. Not the Bueno Nacho? Nope, this is a taco depot, which, okay. like, everything's vaguely industrial and upsetting, and we'll get it, to that. It's very Rocco's Modern, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, you know, they keep getting turned away because they can't be trusted around the all-you-can-eat thing. Like, it's the same as the SpongeBob episode of the Salty, salty Spittoon. We've seen it before. Mm. Their victory involves dog eating so, so much, and they get super fat. And Cat feels terrible because he has effectively eaten all that awful food. So even their victory is, like... Pyrrhic, the, yeah. Yeah, like, they never win, and so we never really, like... It's hard to root for them. They they win sometimes when the focus of the episode is on the brotherly thing, you know, because because it's a very angry beavers with no frills attached. Like, oh, they're upset at each other for dumb bullshit reasons, and they make up by the end of the episode because they realize they love each other. Like, it's it's pretty pretty standard, but like that doesn't make me like it any better. Just because it tapered off at the end nicely didn't make it more enjoyable to watch. Things work out for dog generally. And so if cat and dog are on the same side, things kind of, things can average out. Things gel by the end. I just didn't care. Yeah, it's it's really hard to care. It's very hard to care. And maybe maybe with that, we should start getting into the characters. Yeah. Um, give them- we, we can come back to tone later. Yeah, you know. So in general for the characters, I got a point to say, I think that there's a plenty of high shelf voice acting that goes a long way. 
Yes. Um, because, especially considering how bland-ass Nickelodeon this show is. <laughs> it's very Nick Nick for kids. But it goes um, less far when the characters have so little to them. Like, they were, they the two are adjective characters. Any episode of the show tells you everything you need to know about this show. Yep. Yep. Which there, is weird no... because of that inconsistent tone thing, but it's true. I mean, um, maybe it allows for the inconsistent tone a little bit. Maybe we can give it a little bit of credit for knowing what it's able to handle. Again, it didn't make me like it anymore, but if you are going to have characters that are defined in the moment, then you can do whatever you want with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cat is Jim Cummings and Dog is Tom Kenny. Um, yes, uh, Jim Cummings, we know from Darkwing Duck. We and Ben, do you, have from... a, do you have any fun facts about maybe like a thing he did once? <laughs> Uh, I've got a, a lot of facts. So he is uh, Darkwing Duck. He is Taz, the Tasmanian Devil. He's Pete from Goof Troop. And most notably, he was the voice of Scar in uh, the part that he was uh, was in uh, the Be Prepared song when he took yeah. over for Jeremy Irons. Yeah, that was the um, thing I was like leading you up to. Because yeah, I, I figured. Always telling us. I fucking love it. Um, and they recorded together most of the time, so like in the same booth. Um, yeah, and, and just so we have it, Tom Kenny, we know as SpongeBob, Carl from Johnny Bravo, Heifer Wolf, and the narrator and mayor from Powerpuff Girls, as well as the Ice King from Adventure Time. Yeah. So, and you know, great. They're they, really, they sound good. They sound good, and they, they have, sound good together. They have great chemistry. Yes. Um, Cat is. So, this show would be pretty much the same. Have you ever met same. a stereotypical cat or a dog before, people? It's that. It's that. Um, There's nothing else. You know, it's 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 Billy and Mandy. It's the odd couple. It's, it's, it's Angry, Angry Beavers. Beavers. It's Sniz and Fondue, if you we, want the non-Angry oh, Beavers I example that is. that example. This show would be pretty much the same if it was pitched as Cat's Personal Hell. Um, <laughs> he is the beleaguered everyman. He's the norm yeah, of the show. He is. Um, but so the the difference here is in Angry Beavers, Norb comes out on top 50-50, I think. Hmm. Cat wins somewhere in the 10 to 20% range. Yeah. And we're supposed to sympathize him, but after a few episodes, we're just like, this guy's a loser. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this guy does not, not so know great. how to like find his own happiness in the world. Yeah, as antagonistic as he can be, he's sorely I think the part that's interesting about him is that he sorely needs social interaction. Yeah, because like he only he only knows how to be vindictive and wanting. Well, and that makes sense from a social ostracism angle where you know, it, it, if we are thinking of Cat as the more empathic and emotional of the two and, and, you know, kind of thoughtful of the two, it makes sense that he would be picking up on the social ostracism angle, whereas Dog might not. Yeah. So like, his reaction to that of being pretty acerbic in, in nature makes makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, this is the this is the common uh, feature of a lot of socially ostracized people is they want to be part of society, but also hate society for what it's yeah. done. Yeah. That they're, they're smart enough to know how terrible everything is. It's, it's believable. It's very believable. I, I thought this character is actually very believable in, in, in their emotional state. Like they, they don't always articulate the same way, but you know, when like cat always behaves the same way. Dog always mm-hmm. behaves the same way. You you very clearly know their sticks and carrots. Yeah, and in terms of like driving the plot, Cat tends to want something. 
Um, whereas dog is usually just around, around for the ride or adds in wrinkles. Yeah, so, so to talk for about dog specifically for a minute, he is, you know, every dog, he's dependable, he's he's happy-go-lucky, but he's pretty thoughtless and reactionary as a result, and he, he lets Cat kind of kind of run the show until he gets distracted, which I, I think is a good balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite his free spirit, he does need direction and groundedness, and Cat provides him with that. And I, I like, the thing where... In every one of these shows where they get mad at each other and then later decide that they need each other is really weird here because they should know that by now. And that I, dynamic in, doesn't make sense. I don't know if that's necessarily that's, I want, that's a little uncharitable, I think. In Angry Beavers, they were you didn't have that problem, right? Because you know, their brothers reaching adolescence and there's some friction for living under the same roof. It makes sense to me that if they were attached, that would still exist. No, they they can certainly get mad at each other, but they should always have each other's back. I think the episodes where it was them against the world were much better than them against each other. I agree. I, I, I totally agree with that. And I, I think that is kind of an undercurrent of this show is is the nature of family in terms of what it what it does to your relationship to need to be connected to a person. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not always so literally, but if you, you know, we can just use our own example. If you have a brother and maybe at a young age, that age gap or differences of personality seem more important as you start growing together and as you are forced to spend time with each other, you start to learn how to mm-hmm. deal with the other person. There's there's this great image of Cat is reading a newspaper in one episode. Dog is watching TV, kind of bored, like... Cat wants to do this thing. Dog just has to sit there, um, you know, so so clearly, like, he's just letting Cat do his own thing. Dog then sees a commercial for an action figure and starts running to the toy store. Cat is bouncing along behind, getting harmed. They reach the toy store. Cat kind of brushes himself off, He's but he's not mad at Dog at all. And it's sort of this push-pull of, I just know how to interact with this person implicitly enough. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we, we've dealt with each other enough that I don't get mad at their behavior. I just understand it and forgive this person for being the way they are. Yeah, and that's to me, true that most of felt, the time. And that, most of the time, granted. But to me, that felt like a really important bit of family where maybe if this was just a stranger, you wouldn't give them the opportunity to prove their worth to you. But if they're your brother, then you just, you've interacted with them enough to know an easy piece between the yeah. two of you. It's it's a relationship that is very real, but also subtle in a show that doesn't really market in subtle all that it much. It doesn't. It doesn't. It is so on the page. But, but I agree. I think um, their relationship as like, not codependent, but completely accepting of each other. I would say that they're also codependent. Yeah, I wasn't focusing on that, but yeah, (laughs) they are. (laughs) Um, But I would have liked to see more progression of that over time. Yeah, let let it not be a struggle to trust each other. You know, it doesn't have to be the fulcrum of an episode. It can just be given. And it sometimes is. Yeah, it is. Like when when Kat, because like you say, they have that that piece. So when Kat says to Dog, hey, your eating habits are destroying my teeth – that should be enough, but that's not <laughs> that's not an episode. Right. So it's that inconsistency. Yeah, it's an inconsistency combined with the need to actually have something happen in the episode that like <laughs> I don't know. 
Yeah. Maybe it was just too hard to make an episode if that wasn't if there wasn't tension in the relationship like that. Um, you mentioned the way that they look, and I think it's worth mentioning now because it it informs a lot of how they operate. Mm-hmm. Is the way that they move. So we're dipping into animation a little bit, but I think it is definitely a strength of the show. Mm-hmm. I think the way that they move looks great. So typically, they walk around on all fours the way a cat or a dog would Mm. and depending on who's like dominating the scene they move in that direction and the other person is forced to walk backwards and it's a good like subtle way which again doesn't traffic in subtlety but it's like a good unconscious way to tell you who is driving the plot right now yeah it's a logical extension of your of your uh of your central concept Mm -hmm. sometimes though they get on they, they become bipedal and that's like one like one of them like they stand up straight and one of them is like a normal talking animal person and then the other person is just that animal person's dick. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see any of these moments, but I, I can picture it in my mind's eye, which yeah. is very uncharitable to me right now. Because like I, like you don't want them facing the other way. You don't want them like just limp. Like, they work flo- with what they have, man. Like floating down. Like yeah, they're they're. They're both equal parts of an up and down situation. Man, did, did that ever happen in Stuck on Me? Or Stuck what's, on You? What's Stuck on You? I, I think it's a terrible, like, two-star sitcom about Siamese twin brothers. Yeah. <laughs> just just so you have more work for show notes. <laughs> no big Appreciate deal. it. And, At this point, it's easier just to cut out this whole interjection. <laughs> <laughs> See, we work around each other. It's the brother thing again. Yeah, we just assume they did a good job. We have no way of checking. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and um, there's a couple other ways they move. So sometimes they form a wheel, Mm -hmm. which is nice for like panning shots. Yeah, that's that's a nice Pokemon move right there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And my favorite, which is the rubber band. The rubber band's pretty good. I love rubber band montage scenes. Where they like, one of them stands still or like holds onto something, and the other one stretches a long way, and then eventually they snap back together. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the like in the intro, like in the intro, or like when dog starts running and cat holds on, like I don't want to go running, and then oh no, he's going running. Mm-hmm. For one reason or another, we're traversing a lot of distance in a short amount of time, but the the creativity of these shots is, I think, a real high point because it's surreal. And they only last a couple of seconds, but they're very memorable. So, like, dogs chasing a truck or whatever, fine. That snapback, cat can go through places we've seen, like, oh, yeah, he went through a park, he went through a city block. But then also, like, he crashes into bowling pins, like, he goes through, like, uh, some fancy candlelit dinner. He goes through, Mm -hmm. like, a bunch of pots and pans from a kitchen. Like, they just throw it all in, and it's so fast. Yeah, and that, that's that's one of the strengths of the absurdity format is, is you can make whatever joke you want, even if the scene doesn't allow for it, because the scene doesn't really allow or disallow for anything. It's sort of like dog. It's just kind of there along mm-hmm. the ride. Yeah. Um, Anything's yeah. allowed in, in cat dog time. I hate cat dog time. It's Close like cousin to adrenaline time. <laughs> I I kind of like the way uh, dog runs. Like I, I think the fact that we have a dog running with no bottom 
doing anything except for cat's like neck constantly colliding with the ground mm-hmm. like that's not how a regular dog moves his butt doesn't just like hit the ground well in, when he's running in the case well sad dogs they do that okay well okay maybe but like like a sad dog in like a like a back wheel wheelchair okay maybe i suppose so and like i didn't really need to talk about sad bit. dogs at the moment but well I don't like know. but like, like i think the way they I, move is is cute and good and makes sense given who they are. Like you don't see cat running in the same way. You see cat running more like a cat. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of like the way that when dog runs and cat just falls behind, like it animates as I would expect a cat dog to run, which is a, an absurd sentence. Yeah. But the fact that they were able to figure out a way to make it look natural, quote unquote, uh huh. That that that's worth a shout out. Yeah, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Like oh we got this we got this flailing meat tube that's like one of those big uh, <laughs> wacky guys at the car sales places. Yeah, we we've got this uh we've got this burrito this 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 feline canine burrito to actually to animate in the right way. Oh by the way, do you know that their names of cat and dog are actually nicknames? Oh, what are their real names? Felinius and Caninius, I think. Oh yeah, okay. I would have liked like Cathew and. Uh... <laughs> Kathy's pretty good. <laughs> Cat is short for Kathy. Yeah. I can't make a better one for dog. Doggerel? Yeah. Doug, maybe. Sure. <laughs> Just put a U in there. Yeah. But you can pronounce it, so like whatever. Uh let's move on from Well, from you Cat also dog. see their personalities a little bit in like the way they approach things. So like anytime like something is written, you know, cat will be very fancy and articulated letters and dog will be like just sort of, you know, child writing with the E's backwards. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, their, their, their personalities come out whenever they are allowed to uh, articulate themselves independently. When they can cohabit in two ways, like when they're in bed and cat is reading with those oh those cute little those cute little professor glasses Mm -hmm. those cute little reading glasses that are like with the half the half lens in the way that i don't think would actually be helpful (laughs) god those look good when he's reading and like dog has headphones on and snarfing snacks and reading a comic book instead like that that's that's a pretty good moment Mm -hmm. let's move on from the nightmare that is cat dog and talk about winslow yeah, so Winslow is voiced by Carlos Alazraki, who is um the Taco uh, Bell Chihuahua. <laughs> I was thinking Rocco, but yeah, yeah, he's Rocco. He's also Mr. Crocker and Mr. Weed from Family Guy. These are voices that I always love. Uh, th- this is a much more nasally interpretation of his normal characters, but uh, I think he's, I think he sounds great. Yeah, I mean, he, he serves his purpose as like this like Newman esque figure that pops in for a joke and then leaves. It, yeah, it's it's very much it's uh, I I, I don't want to listen to him voicing the like the entire show. Yeah, I, I don't want him to be like do a Gilbert Gottfried reads Fifty Shades of Grey or anything that like that. That is what that is. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, like I, I think it's good. Like th- there's a term specifically for this character in the sitcom, the '50s sitcom format of the guy next door yeah. or, or or roommate drops in or something like that. Let me look up the term for it. It's it's the wacky neighbor, except cat dog is the wacky neighbor. <laughs> right. It's it's like, what if Kramer was just a just a normal dude? <laughs> but uh, he's got a great laugh. Uh, it, it has one of those it's very personalized cadence in addition to his voice that reminded me of and maybe just because we just did star star wars reminds me of old puppet yoda laugh Mm -hmm. do you remember what that sounded like 
yeah, that it's kind of ex- thing. It's extremely derisive because it's personal. And and or or it's like Mandark's laugh with that very specific cadence of ha 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 ha. Yeah, that, uh, like there, that Winslow a... laugh of hee 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 cat dog. Yeah, like you could write it out in musical notes. It's so personalized, mm-hmm. and it does more than anything else this character does to personalize him. <laughs> yeah, he's, like he's, he's the walking definition of supporting character, and also starring. Yeah, <laughs> there's uh there's that one scene in um a uh, there's that one scene in uh in Steven Universe in one uh, episode where. He's having a dream sequence as though it's one of those old 50s era shows where the door opens and the neighbor walks in and like the live studio audience starts applauding mm-hmm. where uh, where like Steven opens the door and Garnet's there and you have the live studio audience applauding and all the characters on scene are just like politely waiting for them to stop applauding <laughs> before they can get <laughs> on with the scene. God, That's we him. put up with that for so long. That's him. I like the throwback though. I feel like it. I, he no, fits in the cat dog world. It, no, me. it's a it's a good joke. Um, and to have him be the mouse of the cat dog kind of paradigm is pretty good. I I really yeah somebody they can both hate. Um, mm-hmm. I really didn't see a lot of him or really most supporting characters. This this felt to me very much a two person show. It's it's pretty focused on cat dog. Yeah, and honestly, I can't. I'm sure there were a couple of Winslow focused episodes, but in general, I don't remember a damn thing about him. He seems well. I I like him because he's seems to delight in his status as Cat's tormentor, but it never seems out of malice. It just seems to be what gets him up in the morning, and that kind of casual, that that kind of casual maliciousness or or that casual irritation is it just comes so naturally to him that is it makes him feel real to me. Yeah. Again, all these characters are very well realized. There's just not a lot there. No, it's a two-adjective personality thing. But uh, again, the voice acting carries it over the threshold of acceptable for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. For what they use him for, I don't want. I like. I don't want to hear him all the time. No. Um, we can also, talk about the greasers. All yeah. Also, should not be used all the time. But good in you know, they're nice spices. Um, we have the greaser dogs who uh, Cliff, Lube, and Shriek. Zane, uh. I think it should not surprise you that I'm pretty into a splinter cell organization that uh, that uh, adheres to the tenets of the art of bullying. Uh, <laughs> I know you do because it, they take it as their life mission to bully cat dogs. <laughs> to kind of ex- cat butt. Kind of exclusively and also for no reason and also Shriek loves dog. Yeah, it's, it's like pretty unfocused <laughs> like the rest of the show. Also, they're archetypical 50s-era greasers for, like, no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like they're the personality of leather jackets. Because that, that makes sense. Like, that's, oh, we need something that visually indicates that these guys are picking fights for no reason. That's that's, that's, that's all it was. That's all they needed. <laughs> and it's, I think it works good. It just, it it drags down the overall cohesion of the show. Yeah. Like they're they're sacrificing cohesion for the sake of making these characters pop a bit better. I I think they fit and pop. I don't think cohesion was a strength of this show I think in they the pop first place. And lock, yeah, no, that's yeah, they, true. But like, there's you know they're they're really treating that cohesion as their dump stat. Mm-hmm. And like after a certain <laughs> point, you really start to notice that this paladin just cannot talk to the city guard. <laughs> um. So. Of these, Cliff is sort of the the boss. He's sort of the one who's actively like, 
hey, we should bully these guys. And then we have like- He's also t- voiced by Tom Kenny, it should be noted. Yeah. And uh, Lube is just the dumb guy who's there for the ride, and he's also Carlos uh, Alas Rocky. I did and- not like Lube very much. Yeah, he, he was there. Yeah. He didn't um, have much. He was dumber than even your regular dumb characters. Like, there, he's he's crossing below that minimum acceptable line. Yeah, he's sub Forrest Gump kind of like. Oh, this is actually like a mental. Like, it's 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 the it's like a clinical condition at this. Yeah, point. we're ma- we're we're making fun of people whom we should not. Is yes. is the level we're at? Yeah, that. Thank you. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, and Shriek uh, is Shriek Maria is Bamford. Yeah. Uh. Comedian extraordinaire. I I love that seeing her anywhere, and she really does a good job here. Yeah, again, I don't like the sound of a lot of these voices, even if I think they're appropriate for the characters. Yeah, I I think that it's appropriate, and I did enjoy it. But I think that's just, at that point we're just subjective. Mm-hmm. She's got a good late motif too. I'm trying um, to call it to mind. It's it's just kind of like a it's it's like a lighter it's like a higher pitch instrument of the regular kind of cat dog. Uh, like theme, like most of the late motifs are just different versions of the theme, but okay. I, I think that hers just kind of it markets on lighter instruments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's a point that the show good. needs. Mm-hmm. And uh, the three of them form that three person bad guy group that is tried and true again. Not new ground. We 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 have a protagonist. We need bullies, and you know they're the three assholes in Rocco's or in um. Not Rocco's Modern Life in a uh, Hey Arnold, you know that we we've we've dealt with this before. Mm-hmm. Which it's it's just enough people to have a dynamic without without there being any needless complexity to the group and distinct enough personalities where they can each have their own like episode. We're like, oh, we're focusing on Lube now, like which we probably shouldn't do. No, I mean focusing on Cliff works. I do like that they all have that kind of fragile, fragile masculinity to them. Even Shriek, where yeah. they they need to posture because they Constantly. have because they're so sensitive, <laughs> which yeah, is my hate, favorite thing. They hate being made fun of. They hate like any sort of difference or dissension in the ranks. I, mm-hmm. I think Cliff carries this, but I, I don't think it could just be Cliff. I agree. I, I think that Lube could be something else. I, I don't really need Lube there, but. I, I like the Shriek and Cliff combo. Mm-hmm. And I, I just love it when bullies are so obviously emotionally fraught, sensitive boys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and like, I wish I could talk more about them because I, I actually like them a lot. Not... But there's nothing else there. Yeah. We can spend a little more time talking about the actual bully uh, who the is devil. not a sensitive boy. Yeah. This is Rancid Rabbit. Also uh, voiced by Billy West. I'm not sure he ever gets a name in the show proper. I think he's just this rabbit who is a capitalist, who is just every bad guy. He's every, pro- he's every profession. And Kat sometimes notices this. <laughs> in uh, Brocco's Modern Life, we had the Chameleon Bros, who were just the rampant force of commercialization and industrialization on Rocco's suburban 50s house life world. Yeah. Um, in Cow and Chicken, we had the red guy who was every profession that was willing to take advantage of the little guy. Yeah, and he's a he's a mischievous. He's mischievous. He's 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 out to get the protagonist. He's out to get the little guy, and that is what Rancid Rabbit is. I would go one. I think I would distinguish him a little bit more in that he is a grifter. 
Um, he lives yeah. for the grift and the prank. Mm-hmm. But as a symbol of authority, he's always like the boss, the manager, the principal, the cop. Like, yes, th- he embodies this like this weird class dichotomy that they don't do enough with. It, he's he's this corrupt authority where, you know, clearly Kat is going to enjoy authority, but this guy never reads as fair or just. Mm-hmm. He, it is always the man trying to put cat dog down yeah and so that's another part of like this show is all about putting down cat dog this is the institutional aspect of it whereas mm-hmm. uh the greasers are the lower classes rabbit is the upper classes cat dog is like cat <laughs> cat's kind of this weird figure in like he like dog wants is fine being on his own in society cat wants to be part of that high society and fears the lower classes it's it's it, almost like a weird allegory it, it, but it never it almost feels like a uh it almost feels like a marginalized community within a larger group of marginalized communities like it, mm-hmm. it almost feels as though they might be like an lgbt person in a lgbt world where even the other lgbt people make fun of them in a particular way Mm-hmm. Or and you know the authority figures can't do it obviously, so they make up ridiculous infractions that they <laughs> just happened across. Even though, yeah, I think there actually is an allegory here. I don't know precisely what it is. It's just like the different ways that a world can hurt you. Yeah, I saw it also as like a class thing or like um, respectability <laughs> politics. Like Cat is constantly trying to be upper crust, and he just can't do it. No, he's 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 a freak. They'll never also, accept him. But he's also afraid of those, you know, mm-hmm, can't trust those guys. Well, rightly so. They want to beat him up for no, re- again, no reason. Yeah, the the analogy can only go so far in any direction because of the the lack of focus here. I but, do like uh, the I do like that uh, that that spin on it though, where like the greasers hate hate them because they are this marginalized group and they say so. Mm-hmm. The upper crust hate them because they are this marginalized group and make up excuses to pull yep. up that black guy on the side <laughs> of the road. Yeah, Rancid Rabbit is a great uh, villain, actually. I, I really like all the twists and turns he does. And, like, this is why the revenge is so often hollow, because Cat Dog will, like, take on that given explanation for why he's excluded, um, rise above it. And then, like, realize it that it, it was just an excuse. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, it, he cat dog has no levers of power in this society. Yeah, we are all cat dog. We're the cat dog is us. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point. I, I never thought of the different class, uh, the different class kind of dynamic on the little man, uh, mm-hmm. on the marginalized person. Like how how do they how do they each treat them? It's like well, they're really the same. They just articulate it through different ways, like the greasers and rancid rabbit are really the same person in terms of tormentor of cat dog right i don't know yeah. D- does winslow also fit in that like, like does that like he's a little bit closer to their inner circle but also but you know winslow is the internet winslow is actually like in he's a way trolls. he's more true to the art of bullying in a boyd scalarzo way in that it's not because they are a freak it's because he hates cat yeah like it's, it's truer it's a truer relationship than Cat Dog has with the Greasers, almost. Like, yeah, like why? Why do you hate this guy? Well, 
that's he's, just how it is. Well, and also he's like a a prick. <laughs> yeah, he's got, he had it coming to him. I like dog. No problem with dog. <laughs> well, you see, I don't like him on a personal level, and so I'm Hold going on. to <laughs> aggravate at him. Hold on a minute. Oh, this even goes. This goes even better, Zane. Uh-huh. The greasers beat up cat dog, mostly cat. Right? They they yep want to count pound cat dog, but they keep on calling him cat. But they they exclusively attack cat if given the choice. Um, and dog has actually shown to get along with them okay. Mm-hmm. And it's because cat acknowledges his low place in society. Dog doesn't notice, mm-hmm. right? But cat fights against it. He's trying to move beyond his uh, his ostracism, and for that he gets punched. Yeah, yeah. It we we're fine ignoring you as long as you don't cause trouble. Yeah, don't cause trouble is the message. Mm-hmm. Don't make waves. Wow. Yeah, huh. it's upsetting. Surprisingly <laughs> complete social ostracism message. I, I take it back. This show does have something to it. Yeah, I, I can see Kat getting very easily radicalized if this show had more of a continuity than a single episode. Oh, yeah. Well, what, what is his, uh, what is the figure that he, that he marches under? What's the banner that he marches under? Oh, the... Malcat X? Not, not like the fish bone like their house i think that's a good like emblem i mean like who's the revolutionary that he follows whose works does he read he doesn't cat guevara no he's he's the he's the moderate he's like he's always willing to compromise with his buddy who he's attached to and it's just not Mm. not doing anything (laughs) yeah it does seem like at least authority uh i i don't know if that goes any farther because the rancid rabbit seems to just penalize cat dog no matter what like it doesn't go to the level of trying to put cat down because he's uh you know trying to trying to escape the bonds of his uh, marginalized status. Yeah, you're not like, going to get you're not going to get a deeper reason. No, probably not. Usually it's cuz he doesn't like him, sometimes it's cuz he wants money. Yeah, m- maybe it's not wise to stretch it's, the metaphor that far. It's not Rocco's modern life or the oblongs where the purpose is to maintain, you know, the social order. Yeah, it's it's much more shallow than that. I do like that we have a way of showing that the the reason that people put cat down specifically is because he's trying to is because he's trying to get equality and, and I they think need to put him in his place i i will go so far as to say that this show recognizes what it's doing uh in terms of like critique of power uh and analysis of social ostracism i think in general the reason that it fails and that we're only realizing it now is it's very subtle in a show that's not subtle. Yeah, it's weird because like all the parts where they want to be subtle, like it's it's mashing up against this setting which is very inconsistent and incoherent character traits that seem to change based on the episode. Like there's just too much else. There's too many other variables to really notice that subtle thing. Like there's too much noise to yeah. figure out what that signal is. And and I'll I'll get into a little bit of uh, a few examples in animation, but I think right now we should talk about some of the other things that happen in the show because it's not just the central like struggles there's also a lot of weird shit well i i mean like yeah so so why don't you lead us into tone and genre so in addition to being both societally depressing and physically disgusting um this show is also like really weird it feels like there's a good amount of we just chose to put this in because fuck it surreal at or beyond the level of a spongebob um Mm. so like Here's one episode. 
you know, like think about uh, listener, think about the episode examples we've given so far, kind of slice of life, you know, oh, they're trying to get in a restaurant, all that. In one episode, um, dog accidentally releases cats nine lives. So we have eight half cat ghosts running amok and they have what to the ghost shit? <laughs> and they have to ghost bust them. <laughs> <coughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with that. They all got numbers on their chests and they're causing like mischief. Um, and because it's just cats nine lives, like there's no dog half. That's weird. Uh, kind of weird, right? <laughs> there, It does also doesn't have to be the conceit of the episode. It can just be a moment. For example, cat and dog are having a fight and Winslow opens his door showing him jackhammering in the house, mind you. And he says, keep it down. Some of us are trying to work in here. <laughs> Closes the door. We stop paying attention to him for the entire episode. That's right. What? <laughs> Gotta get that paycheck. What is that? I don't know. Yeah. Um, another episode I can remember is they're watching a movie and Kat's like trying to reach up into the uh, film projector booth to turn it off or cut the uh, film. But they get like slapsticked into the film and now they're in the movie. And now they just live in a hellhole of being in the movie, putting on the same show seven times a day. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, this this show is a nightmare. This is, it's like I'm Dante's in Inferno. It's like yeah. Kafka. It's like, <laughs> I, I think, I think if there was more bureaucracy, this would be Kafka. It, it It's, it's, yeah, the, the, what the tone is doing here is it's bringing, it's, it's uh, it's realizing the existential torment that it is to be a cat dog. You know what it is? It's a, a Hieronymus Hori- Bosch painting. Mm. Uh, those those Love paintings. To hear you explain were, that. Those paintings were like these huge, expansive worlds. I'm with familiar just with Bosch. Which is like a whole lot of nonsense going on. Things are on fire. There's devils, but also just a bunch of body stuff. Like this dude's got five butts coming out of him, and somebody's poking the butts and making fun of him for having five butts. Yeah, this it like it's like a berserk style eclipse going on. Everything about it is is nonsense and wacky, but also just like surreal and terrifying on a on a personal visceral level. It should be mentioned that this show is so surreal as to share DNA with a Treehouse of Horror episode of The mm-hmm. Simpsons. Oh yeah. Where they basically do the fly and put the cat and the dog inside the fly teleporter and get a cat dog and a butt butt. Yeah, there's never, there's no example of this that's good, right? What, mashing up the head to a head? Like, mashing up two creatures and having both of them have a head? Like, if you're combining entire, if you're combining them mentally, like Steven Universe, uh, Stevani, Mm-hmm. Where, where they merge and they become just a person who is more of both of them. Cool. Yeah. Great. Not horrifying. Here's the time heads. you get like a two-headed giant situation. Yeah, two-headed giant's fine too because like we can see that conversation happening. Head to head. Hmm. Little, little less. I, it, it is very strange. I don't dislike the, the, the idea of it or the execution of it. It just, it's just the show around it is so goddamn weird. <laughs> Can you think of other episodes that are at that level? I, I, I've kind of hit the number of episodes I watched because... Yeah, I, I understand. I mean, like, some of them were less weird because of just because fuck it. A lot of the episodes I thought were absurdist in a referential way, which I liked a bit better. For example, Cat Dog goes to the pool, 
gets an infraction from the lifeguard, which, you know, guess who that is? It's Rancid Rabbit. I was going to say. <laughs> and they do a 1930s chain gang prison bit. Sure. Which is pretty similar to the Dexter's lab detention scene, to be honest, which they mm-hmm. actually end up in a, te- in a detention by the end of the episode. Yeah, classic Again, with that Sisyphusian tragedy that is cat dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, uh, th- there's like a lot of references to, you know, just like the chain gang behavior. Cat does like this awesome voice where he's like, we're going to bust out and I got a plan, see? Like exact, <laughs> like a Muggsy kind of. Yeah, because yeah, the like, show can stretch for that. Yeah, a uh, it do- does that kind of Al Capone nonsense that it has no need to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, be- be- it it uh, another example. They uh, have an episode where, um, what was it? They they have an episode where they have an "It's a Wonderful Life" dream sequence where they both go back to th- where they're they're fighting at each other for whatever reason. They both go to sleep. They individually have dreams of what it would be like to be separate. Um, Cat is like this ducktails mogul uh, <laughs> in charge of a business. Dog is this kind of drifter dude, and there it's it's animated in a Max Fleischer Fleischer Brothers style, almost Popeye or Betty Boop style thing, and you know, it, it complete with like the eyes looking more shimmery and and wide, and the entire thing is just an excuse to play in that animation space. Which mm-hmm. they do pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, again, there's no point to any of it. And it, and at the end of the day, it's the same plot line that they've already done five times. Mm-hmm. But they did it in an absurd referential way, which I don't dislike. Yeah, I kind of like the plots where they run out of ideas and just kind of have to keep going for a little bit in weird directions. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, whenever we try to do a, a, a skit and don't know how to finish it, and that's when some of the best moments happen. There's uh, one episode... <laughs> Uh, the kooky prank day one where everyone keeps pranking cat and he gets just madder and madder and remember a lot of the plots revolve around revenge um eventually there's like um an alien invasion and attack and cat just starts laughing because he tricked everybody because that was his kooky prank to get back at them it's <laughs> so crazy but then a huge real spaceship shows up next to it with these, like, horrible, like, huge flesh monsters that are like, we're going to eat all of you. And now everybody's freaking out until the alien reveals that they're actually different kinds of aliens that love pranks. Nice. And then Catdog reveals that Catdog, like, he unzips himself and he's one of the evil aliens. <laughs> what the shit? <laughs> and then it's revealed that that alien is actually remote controlled by the real Catdog. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. like I want to go watch that episode. Just the escalation <laughs> the show like for as as like tried and tired as some of the plots are they escalate fairly well they just don't really know what to do afterward and this only worked because it came at the end of the episode where you don't need to justify things it, it's a tricky balancing act to do both slice of life and absurdist ex- escalation and i almost mm-hmm. feel like if they could pick one then it would it would benefit the show but i don't I, know what that show looks like i i don't think it's a Nick show at that point. It's more of a Cartoon Network thing at that point. Well, it's Cartoon it, Network it's or Comedy Central. Thing. Like, if if you're going for the slice of life with... Um, that would be MTV. Yeah, with, like, a, a, a social commentary. That would be MTV. Absolutely. Yeah. At, at that point, it's Ugly Americans. Yeah. I wasn't sure about this. Maybe you have an idea. 
but um you know the the one of the themes of the show is definitely brotherhood and what does a family do to a relationship like how how does a relationship change if it's brothers as opposed to or if it's family as opposed to just acquaintances like mm-hmm. having to be next to this person all the time does that make it easier does that make it harder that kind of thing mm-hmm. um one thing i was playing with the idea of a little bit is is this closer to actually like an allegorical marriage maybe you get that sense i think like the show constantly suggests that they actually need each other a lot more than they just happen to live with each other yeah, I it's mean, not really making the best of it. It's more like they are each other's better halves. Better halves, but also just like, you know, that codependency thing we mentioned, like, yes, they can get on each other's nerves, but they're still together. Like, they're still always going to have each other's backs. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it's more of a marriage at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't go any farther than that, but like cattle get wrapped around the axle about certain things and due to his neuroticism and dog will, his easy spirit will kind of temper and center cat and dog will his straightforward attitude gets him into trouble and cats kind of careful discipline will will bring him out of it ideally i mean ideally yeah a lot of the times it doesn't articulate that way uh, again it ends sad yeah because sometimes they do it to each other like hurt each other mm-hmm. uh there's a lot of there's a lot of hurting in this show actually just in general there's a lot of violence it's very slapstick and then also emotional torture. Yeah, a cat goes crazy a lot. Yeah, it gets laughed at constantly. Um, they they tried to make this a sympathetic show, but really it's more like torture porn uh, against this one guy. Yeah, this I, it, yeah, it does feel like a Sisyphusian tragedy, actually. Who kind of can't do anything about it. And yeah, like maybe he deserves it a little. I mean, like he... I don't know if deserves it. it. It's more like it informs his character. Like, I think yeah. you're mixing up cause and effect at that point. It reinforces. Yeah. It's it's not in a vacuum. It mm-hmm. informs who he is. Yeah. it. I don't, it's a weird tone for a show to do that isn't Invader Zim. And I didn't like it in Invader Zim either. <laughs> I mean, it definitely made me sad, but... Sad and grossed. Uh, but I, I'm used to sad, and I'm used to watching car- cartoon gar- characters get hurt enough that it doesn't bug me too much. Uh, like, it's not Ren and Stimpy levels of, this person is going to die because of the thing that I did. Right. It's more just like, you know, it's more like uh, Statler and Waldorf or uh, Punch and Judy kind yeah. of antics. He had a bad day. Yeah, he'd taken one down. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm ready to move into animation if you are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... Uh... Like like we said, this is one of the high points of the show, both in terms of like the things we've talked about already in the way that the characters look and, and move, but also just like the way it informs the show and like that dark underbelly of, of society that we mentioned. Yeah, everything looks a little surreal and almost Ed Ed and Eddie color outside the lines at times. The yeah. uh, I think their house best expresses this. Mm. The fishbone. The old fishbone. Which is a good stable together. Yeah, just stable together side by side. And it looks disgusting. Like it doesn't look good. It's <laughs> you a can dead smell fish. it from here. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's a funny joke and it informs their philosophy with this show, which is it doesn't have to be clean. In fact, sometimes it helps if it's a little gross. A lot of things are like splotchy or misshapen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, they have a lot of opportunity for like, yo, Nickelodeon gack. Like there's a lot of slime in this show. a lot of gack. Um, and more than that, like 
when the, anytime they're in a cityscape, there's a lot of what I like to call urban decay, with just like holes in the walls, um, you know, grime here and there, rats in the corners. Like, uh, Aureal Monsters did this a lot. Here, it's a bit more subtle. It's like the stereotypical damsel accidentally walks down the wrong alley and ends up in Crackton sort of scene. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, this, we can you can tell looking at the background what part of society they are that they're in. Not what part of the town, because that pff, geography goes out the window, but it's absolutely confusing. <laughs> uh, but we don't need it to be. Um, I, I think that the kind of shot placement in this is pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. we get a lot of scenes with showing the dual nature of cat dog. the 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 scene in the bed is is real good, where it's very clearly delineated, but neither side is really in the front. The thing you were talking about with either cat or dog leading the scene, making them at the front of the cat dog monstrosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's the notion of dog chasing the truck, and then you know, cat literally getting the consequence of the scene like he's the cause and cat gets the consequence and so you kind of have that cause and effect relationship actualized in that in that sense and And you can visualize where the camera is going in that right you can you can see it start on dog and then pan over a lot of the jokes are panning jokes Mm -hmm. yeah and and again with that cause effect sort of Mm -hmm. it's like temporal it's playing temporally with the scene which i which i think is it is a neat is a neat thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, also, the expression contrast between cat dog's face, like a cat's face and dog's face, I think is is always pretty great. Like we 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 you can very immediately drink in a scene just by looking at their faces. What are their cat, faces doing? Cat's very expressive. Dog is tends to be more dopey, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that's just because he doesn't always know what's going on. But but he mad, does sad. You feel well. it. Yeah, mad and sad. You can you can get pretty clear. Right, but you if you see cat looking pleased and dog kind of looking bored, or if you see dog looking excited and cat looking world-weary, you know what kind of scene it is. You know, it, it tells you pretty much everything you need to know about the scene. It's very effective. Uh, it, it's, it's very effective visual cues to tell you what you need to know. Also, because their body can stretch in all sorts of weird ways, they pay a lot of attention to the posturing of, uh, of their body. Um, just because you always need to know like how it's oriented uh, mm-hmm. in space. Yeah, so they do a lot of cool stuff with shot composition that I I haven't seen in different shows that don't have a person connected to another person bodily. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty cool. I want to talk about the intro. Yeah, Zane, how do you feel about the intro? Fine. You know, it's 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 pretty good in terms of like that's a catchy song you know it gets across all the information you need yeah that country twang is great there's banjos everywhere it kind of reminded me of zoot suit riot with those tr- with those trumpets yeah yeah it's got that it's big got bound nice big band feeling yes i'm trying to i'm trying to remember in my head what is in there uh, except for that like showcasing everything that happens and also here's a country song like a uh, trucker country song specifically. I'll bring you through it. I deliberated on this a lot because I think the intro has a lot going for it. Mm-hmm. The abstract nature of the intro reminds me of Inspector Gadgets, where it just naturally flows from one scene of play to the next. And they're often running down nondescript roads that aren't quite roads. You know, like with them running up a, you know, kind of tape, like a red tape that Rancid Rabbit cuts and then they drop into their house or whatever. I I love that 
as like a visual metaphor mm-hmm. that's really good <laughs> like because there's red tape it, and i'll cut it when it suits me and when it suits me is to fuck you yeah what this to take the road out from under you and it, it contrasts with the greasers immediately before who are just punching random shit or even the air because like they're just balls of chaos yeah they're just they're just anger mm-hmm. just angry insecurity um the way the hairball hits winslow and drags the scene off screen with him that's really nice uh that that's really nice like old school animation shorthand yep and and every cat dog motion like the fact that like the hairball goes from cat into dog or the stretching and snapping that they do like those are established in the intro. It's, yeah, the it's very that, effective. The fact that they both run in different directions but are always pulled back together is a pretty heavy-handed metaphor, but it works. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and the I sign's like how spinning. You see the sign, and it, again, with that cat written in good, nice block letters and dog kind of whatever, kind of messy. Crayon. Mm-hmm. I like the, uh, I like the bit where it shows them growing up through the ages. With, like, those two different photographs. It's, like, very different life choices, and you can't tell that they're the same organism yet, and then <laughs> pictures pan away, and it's just one thing. Yeah. Because it, it makes you play that joke again in your head. It's like, wait, so Cat was at college while Dog was surfing? Like, how, where was this? <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the setting makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very effective, very condensed and efficient. Yeah, I, so I think this this intro, honestly, like... One of the better intros I've seen lately. Yeah, and I think the song plays into it well uh, also, just like that on-the-road feeling, uh, mm-hmm. the banjo, the the like working man tired but but pushing forward kind of feel that gets us on their side as the little guy immediately. There's a lot of 50s to this show in that way. No. Uh, the, it, it, leads, it, it leads into one more uh, background gag that I kind of dig, which is the storyboard backgrounds. Okay. Did you notice when they, you know, play the title and they do that? And then they then they start the show, you know, written by whoever that whoever starring blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. When they do all that stuff, the background is a kind of pastel wallpaper that features two things. One of them cat related, one of them dog related, in the same vein. So yeah, it's it a looks dead like mouse and a steak. Or a hydrant and a litter box, you know, the, yeah, and, it, and just kind of wallpaper of that. It's very cute. They're they're giving you, they're really hitting you with this idea. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, just like background gags, I'm into. It's like dichotomies ahead. <laughs> Dichotomy alert. Many yep. forks in the road. <laughs> yeah. So the animation and the uh, and the and the shot placement and all of the intro stuff. That all works pretty good for me. I think the animation may be the highest point of this show. I agree. I, I want to give an example of w- one way that I think it informed the like dreary society theme from one of the early episodes, the uh, the taco joint that they go to. Um, it has a buffet uh, with a volcano at the center of the table. And that's, sure. that's cool. That's like fun decor. But then above it are these floating plastic containers of condiments, which are connected via squirting tubes to the ceiling. And the tubes are these like twisting chrome monstrosities that like, like they, everything else is fun, light decor, like Mexican restaurant. And these are just like chrome tubes going into what we find out are like salsa tanks, which just like it, it's industrial and uncomfortable. 
And and nonsensical. Like, we, we shouldn't let that fall by the wayside. Uh, yeah, like, this is not how you would run a restaurant. You wouldn't <laughs> put a tank in the ceiling. That makes no sense. Yeah, and you certainly wouldn't have the customers be able to sneeze on it. But also, like, um, in a later scene, we see the outside of the restaurant, like, the back. Um, the, the restaurant's shaped like a giant taco. Oh, it has it, to be. Every every building is shaped like the thing it's supposed to do. Um, but for just a couple seconds, we can see those supply tubes, and we see, like, a rusted shack and warped trash cans surrounding it. Like, these are the icons of an unequal society. Huh. Um, and it's just, like, never touched on. Like, you ask anybody to remember we're cat dog, and no one's going to talk about the social inequality. I didn't even think about it until you brought <laughs> it up, but it's definitely it's definitely everywhere. I saw it enough that I started looking for it, and, like, there's kind of no end. Wow. That's that, that's pretty great. And it really does feed into the social ostracism angle of, you know, all the all the people trying to put Cat Dog down, as the intro song would say. Um, one final thing I want to mention sure. that, they, that is not drawn attention to, but I really liked, is the creative contraptions for Cat Dog. Um, like, just in their house little really logical things for how you would live in this way. Like their bathroom door has a hole in it for one of them to like lay down outside while the other one's using oh, the can. Yeah, it does. Or like a using half can, bathtub. How, who knows? Like a half bathtub that like turns into like a lounging chair while you're waiting for your friend to take a shower. That's right. I forgot about that. Why would you not shower at the same time though? Is my it's, question. Well, you know, they're, they're shy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sensitive. I gotta, gotta clean some holes. I don't know where they are, but they're there. <laughs> that 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 is very clever. I I wish I had noticed more of it. Honestly, I there's a lot uh, because there's nothing to focus on. There's a lot to focus on. Yeah, there's also like a lot of visual clutter. There's so much clutter. There's a lot of thematic clutter too. Like as we <laughs> as we mentioned, we're not really sure what we're supposed to get from this show. It's just a big pile of cat dog. Yeah. Um. Let's move into the music and sound, shall we? Mm-hmm. Uh, that trucker music from the intro kind of is maintained throughout the show. Um, pretty much every music choice has some version of a twangy banjo. It does, and I, I like a twangy banjo enough to be pretty pretty into it whenever it shows up. Oh, don't get me started about twangy banjo. I don't know what it says about the setting, but I don't know what anything says about the setting. So at this point, it's, you know, a drop in the bucket. Sometimes it dips into other soundtracks. Like uh, they sometimes go for like a Western vibe and they have uh, they they still have the banjo. Uh, it adapts very well. Or like an oompa vamp. It'll still be underscored by the banjo. And sometimes it goes into ska, but like it's Nickelodeon. So I assume that there's ska. Yeah, you can just assume that. The only thing that I really noticed was that harmonica atop bass yes. theme that I that I started associating with dog that that thing um, I just started thinking of it as dog harmonica because it seems to follow him around. Yeah, the rambling man. Yeah, he's a, he's a rambling man. He's a rambling <laughs> half man. The other half doesn't ramble so good. Well, no, I mean you got to specialize, right? Um, so I like the music mostly. Like, I, I think it's, I think overall it's fine. Nothing, nothing hugely great. It's at least more consistent than the setting. So whatever. Mm-hmm. The dialogue is not too inspired. It's, you know, standard. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really like it when anyone said a thing. 
It, like it, it was, it wasn't really, wasn't really that good. You know, they say what they mean, and what they mean is usually something mean, uh, and like, uh, like unwholesome. Uh huh. Uh, this comes through in the rabbit, especially where they're just like, I don't like you. I'm gonna be mean to you. <laughs> this Billy is West the transaction. That yeah, but, and like the dialogue is just so standard and boring that it, again, I think it is saved through the strength of his voice actors. Like I'm picturing Winslow just going like, "Hey, a cat dog. What's what's shaking with you?" Yeah, like, it's like, "What is that?" Like, all right. Anytime or like where the they... greasers being like, "Yeah, we don't like cat dogs." It's really like no more subtle than that. And again, the show doesn't <laughs> traffic on subtlety, but it means that there's nothing for these these characters are so bland as a response to like there's there's they have catchphrases for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. And like, as soon as you make a catchphrase, that's a sure way to make me question the dialogue quality of the show. <laughs> it's also like, hi ho diggity is not anything. It's not about anything. It's like I am excited, and I understand that. Like, I understand a little bit of alliteration. <laughs> the greasers uh, are like, I think from what I could tell, they have a catchphrase because they say it all the time, which is, "We're gonna go pound cat dog." Yeah, we're gonna go pound cat dog. I mean, like, that's no, I gotta clobber that dare Kirby. There's no personality to it. (laughs) Uh, Cat cat has a nice Bruce Almighty kind of catchphrase. That, uh, terrific. It's like that B-E-A-utiful. I heard him say beautiful, but he didn't spell it. He just really leaned on it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Jim Cummings is really is really a fantastic voice actor for those kind of beautiful that like lilting go mm-hmm. up an octave and then return to the scene of the crime kind of yeah, delivery. Cat, Cat especially, but also Dog and some of the others like really sell those characters and like bring the most to the lines. They're just not that interesting of lines. It, it they there's they talk a lot with nothing to say, and uh, I I think that if I had to pick a uh, two critical flaws of this show one of them is the bland dialogue but more so than i mean the, the first one is obviously the incoherent setting and i at the, the fact that it doesn't tell me what i'm supposed to look at but the second one is is the incoherent dialogue is the, is the bland dialogue for me it was more the lack of growth and lack of anything interesting for our characters to do uh to really like motivate them yeah there i mean there is that yeah, it, it, the, the characters are flat. The way they talk is flat. The voice acting is great, but that, that only goes so far. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, it's it's a sporadic setting with bland characters. And even though everything else is being done right, those two things in tandem are, are having a hard time selling me. Mm-hmm. That being said, I, I think that overall... The quality of it, there, there is enough going on that even though it doesn't have a consistent message, there's still something to watch most of the time. And on those metrics, I enjoyed watching it because there was always something to look for. It's better than I thought it would be. Me too. It's, you know, it goes down, not smooth, but it goes down. It's it's like tap water, I guess. It's not going to give you food poisoning. It's, yeah, I'm not going to get dysentery. It's like tap water in a town you're not from. there's heavy minerals that like there's heavy metals that i'm not familiar with in this i'm betting they don't kill me (laughs) yeah so in conclusion cat dog is like a bad good show yeah that's a good way to put it like it's in the this is a very b show oh i i 
Yeah, B minus. B minus or B, I guess. Yeah, B minus maybe is better, but it's 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 nothing special. It has a lot of the, it has a lot of the qualities of a better show without actually ever becoming one. There's never more reason to watch more than a couple episodes because the only gimmick it has is on display constantly. Yeah, it's right there. I will say that I watch the intro every single time because it's great. Oh, it's a great intro. It's good stuff. It does work. Mm-hmm. And I think that the 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 concept of cat dog is <laughs> extremely funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if it's not terrifying. <laughs> just, I mean, just look at it for a second. Look at that thing. I just like stretchy guy. Yeah, there's a good stretchy boy. Are there any cat dog memes? There's got to be something. Uh, the Winslow one is a nice three panel meme. Oh, I didn't uh, realize that that was a that that mm-hmm. was a meme. Yeah, it's used to indicate like, hey, what's going on here? And then something on the internet that is intensely, viscerally displeasing. And then you're just like, well, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good one. I uh, I didn't realize that that was a... Yeah. Wow. Oh, there's a weird thing. Is it dog is, it is like meeting? A... I, I'm looking up image. I'm just Google image cat searching doge. cat dog meme. And we've got dog shaking hands with a gorilla and the the quote on the screen is dicks out for you harambe because <laughs> he is the dick i guess i don't know man it's something i, I yeah i didn't realize that winslow winslow rotating door thing was a meme i'm very happy it is because it's it's quite good mm-hmm. yeah nice little bits mm-hmm. um Thanks again to uh, to Joshua for commenting on the show. Uh, it, it's pretty clear why this isn't SpongeBob, um, but you know it, it's it's worthwhile having that comparison. SpongeBob is just far better put together; like it's just as quality pieces, but arranged thoughtfully on a plate. And more interesting characters, I think, that have more like depth to each oh, of them. I could talk about Squidward for maybe ever. Uh, one more thing, I, I want to mention that. Uh, we do have a longtime listener of the show, uh, Devin, our friend Devin, who joined us for the Batman animated series episode. Batman well. Has, uh, has, uh, has previously suggested cat dogs. So congratulations, Devin. Your wish is fulfilled. Um, We're sorry. I hope, I hope it was everything that you hoped for. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if, if you want to suggest a show, uh, First, wait until the end of this episode when I do my whole spiel. Zane, what oh, are we doing God. next? Oh, I was going to ask you. Okay, why don't you ask me? Ben, what are we going to do next? It. I'll cut it fine. Ne- next, <laughs> next, next, we are we we have our regular bootleg segment to watch an animated film, and we are watching Fiddlesticks, a nineteen, I believe it's in the thirties production uh, that was made by Ubi. Oh, so Works. there's a chain gang. Uh, there must be a chain <laughs> gang in it. I'll be watching out for one. It's an Ubi Ewerks uh, film who is a full half of the creative genius that created Mickey Mouse. And for that, we are going to be joined by Jeff Ryan, the author of A Mouse Divided, a biography or uh, a story about the creation, inception and uh, of, of Mickey Mouse and how the two creators met, collaborated and eventually uh, left. Yeah, uh, I'm very interested to... Uh to talk with him about all of that um we're gonna talk to someone who wrote a book dude yeah the that's, the, that's the movie itself is like seven minutes yeah but i think we'll have plenty to talk about there's plenty to say about the early days of animation i want to talk about his book quite a bit which i've been steadily reading through zane i know you don't have a copy of his book so i can't read 
and, and you and you can't read so you're you're going to be more doing more indirect research for that i i think is fair to say but i think it will still have plenty to talk about yeah yeah um and zane what are we doing after that after that um we're going to have another guest we're going to have josh back on the podcast uh uh to watch fillmore which was his uh suggestion we liked his comment about cat dog so much that we decided to do <laughs> an episode with him um i don't know much about fillmore but he uh has said that it's uh very unique and different and you know i could definitely use some of that after this is he named after the president uh millard yeah god what a dumb name no i think it's what are you talking about it's so close to mallard yeah so audience if you want to fill more of your ears with us you can listen to more episodes uh yes if you would like to uh drop us a line go to our facebook page uh go to cartoncast.com if you want to leave a comment uh as you've heard today leaving comments will get you on the show apparently so uh (laughs) go ahead and go to www.cartoncast.com if you want to leave a comment or email us at cartoncast at gmail.com you can also Go to our uh, group website at fancybat.com and uh, check out the other shows on the network, which are great. Let's uh, go ahead and plug Amusement Sparks, which our friend Andrew Spawn does, about um, about uh, fantastical made-up amusement parks that he decides to try to figure out how you'd build them from the ground up. Super fun. If you want to leave us a rating or review, which I suggest that you do because we love them and I need your approval... Go to Apple Podcasts and, <laughs> or uh, or Stitcher.com or anything like that to leave a rating and review. And uh, more than anything else, please tell your friends about the show. Tell tell your Siamese twin about the show. I, I think the term is conjoined now. Oh, I'm sorry. You you are absolutely correct. Conjoined twin. Tell your unless t- you're uh, unless you're from Siam. Yeah, I guess I guess it, there's nothing stopping you from being Siam other than that it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it's a lot How? like it's, it's a lot like Constantinople in that way. When did it go away? Are there people today who were born in Siam? Probably. No, I honestly actually have no idea. I only know it because of risk. Siam, much like CatDog, doesn't really know where it is or how much it exists. Oh, uh, this Wikipedia page is overwhelming me. Good night, everyone. Uh, where does it start? Where does it end? A lot like CatDog. <laughs> Audible.com presents... Fifty Shades of Grey, the erotic best-selling novel read by Gilbert Gottfried. My inner goddess has stopped dancing and is staring too, open-mouthed and drooling slightly. Hear it the way it was meant to be heard. Keep still, he orders, and slowly he inserts his thumb inside me, rotating it around and around, stroking the front wall of my vagina!